We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. You have Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, Charlotte Robson, and can you hear in my voice, in my voice already, the sense of injustice that Newcastle United have suffered today at Stamford Bridge? We've brought forward the recording of this podcast 24 hours just to get our anger out on the airwaves and talk through what on earth went on at Stamford Bridge. We're on Patreon for £6.60 a month. Lots more anger, lots more analysis from us three and a lot more people on that platform, and it keeps this podcast free. You get this podcast advertisement-free as well. As lots, lots more Newcastle United podcasts. Charlotte, I'll start with you. Um, how angry are you? Oh, yeah, like very angry. I think, you know, I've watched it back as much as I can, the, uh, the highlights or lowlights, if you will. Um, and I think, you know, I think the red card, there's two two key things in this game, the red card and the, the penalty, or neither actually came to fruition, but you know what I'm talking about. Um Red card, like, you know, there's a little bit of discussion online. Maybe that one was actually, maybe it is a yellow. Maybe a red would have been harsh. To me, it looks like a red. The penalty is so clear, so clearly a penalty that I just, I'm just, I'm very upset about that. That would have changed the entire game. It's, you know, he doesn't go anywhere near the ball. I just, I'm, I'm not happy about that at all. Not happy indeed. Norman, I just did a live show with you on the True Faith YouTube channel. It wasn't anger you were it wasn't anger you were demonstrating, but pride. Do you want to talk about your pride, mate? Very proud. And I mean angry. I'm not I'm not like I'm angry with the decisions, obviously. Um as angry as the spoiled child of a Roman general, mate. Uh, not getting the room here. That's how angry I am. <laughs> um, however, That's me. at the same time, at the same time, the performance. Bearing in mind the team that Hell put out, I'm not I'm not dissing the players here by any chance, um, any stretch of imagination, but the team he put out was a, a formation different to what we played lately. The success that we've had with the 4 3 3, the three centre midfielders who've been the bedrock of that, none of them are playing. Um, and the fact that we were so organised, so disciplined, kept Chelsea at arm's length, probably could have gone in a goal up at half time. Think the Almiron chance, you think the Fabian Shea header, oh, that was early second half before it went to. Obviously, before Chelsea's club, which was at the death. So, in a huge amount of pride. And look, this is the first time I can recall in recent memory going away to a side that is a regular in the Champions League. Is the champion? This side's the Champions of Europe as well. But a side that's in the sort of top four or five and thinking we deserved something from that. I, I don't recall leaving the Etihad, leaving Anfield, 
leaving Highbury or leaving Stamford Bridge in recent living memory thinking we didn't deserve to lose that game. This is the first time in a long time that's happened. And I think the fact that, you know, I sent you a, a, a photo before of the two respective benches, and this kind of ties a little bit into the £90 million we've bought ourselves out of relegation narrative. Chelsea's bench had a, a goalkeeper on there that they spent £75 million on, a centre-forward that cost £97 million, a midfielder that cost £65 million. They brought on Kovacic. Their bench was absolutely ridiculous. We had two goalkeepers, Dwight Gale, Paul Dummett, Matt Ritchie, Emil Kraft. You know what I mean? This, the difference between the two squads is ridiculous. And then the difference between the starting 11s, if you you know put it in context, is ridiculous. Yet, we came away feeling like an injustice had been done. So, huge amounts of pride in the players. Huge love for the manager and his coaching staff and very much looking forward to destroying Everton on Thursday. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It is, it is the, the frustration is because I thought we deserved something from that game, very much so. And I am angry with the decisions because they're bad decisions. They're just bad decisions from VAR, they're bad decisions. Um, but you're right, Norman, that does tie into like being very proud, being very happy that we went to Stamford Bridge, not having won there since... 2012 and and you know putting in a performance like we did it was it was yeah it was good yeah let's talk about the positives for a minute then and maybe we'll we'll get right into those two decisions later on and their impact on the game Uh, I agree with you both and I also think that Newcastle have turned up like you say Norman pretty clearly the third best team in the Premier League they've turned up at a side who comfortably beat Newcastle United regularly and have done over the years they put up a side I mean Last season, Newcastle against Chelsea. Newcastle, I don't think, had a shot on target in either fixture. Um, you know, earlier this season, Chelsea won 3 0 without really breaking sweats in James's Park. And for how to turn it around without six of his best players, the whole of the midfield three, Callum Wilson, Anson Maximine, and Ryan Fraser, both not fit enough to start. Um, six, six players out, not enough players to even play the formation that he wanted to play because he didn't have three central midfielders to do it. Um, to go there and do what we did is incredibly satisfying. It should be 10 unbeaten. It should be a fantastic result. It's not. I just think that what today... I think Newcastle, and I know this might sound strange, Newcastle and Eddie Howe has probably got more out of today than Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea. And Chelsea have got the three points. Well done, Chelsea. Congratulations. But they have massive problems. We might talk about that a little bit later in terms of context of the decision and, and the spotlight on the game and the referee in particular. But... I just think for how to have to to change his formation, to have to play Longstaff and Bruno in the centre midfield, two players have never played together before, um, to have to go with, uh, bring Almiron back into the team, bring Jamal Lascelles in, and to put in that performance and control the game like they did in terms of territory, pressing, winning the ball back high up the pitch. It's just, it's an almost heroic performance. And like Charlotte, you correctly say, I think the anger isn't just at the decisions. The decisions are a farce, but it's the fact that the, the that farce is such a contradiction to how Newcastle United play. They were organised, they were aggressive in and out of the ball. Um, they were ambitious. They were, you know, the walking wounded at times. Chelsea, how often have we gone to a, a ground like you say, Norman, one of these top grounds? Forget about the results and deserving. Chelsea were rattled. Chelsea were rattled from about the 10th minute onwards when Newcastle really came into the game. Kicking out, throwing the ball away, having a go at the ref, having a go at each other, having a go at Newcastle players. At one at one point, I thought um, Antonio Rudiger was going to headbutt Jason Tindall. Would have gone badly for Antonio <laughs> uh, if that had happened. But that these are all the things that we've wanted from Newcastle United. Forget about trophies, forget about glorious goals and, w- and winning. It's the polar Newcastle United now, the polar opposite of what we were. 
before Eddie Howe because we've gone there and we've given them a game and I think I'm a simple football fan. My team can turn up in most fixtures, give the opposition a game and make the game worth watching. I'm quite happy with that. I'm quite content with that. And whilst I am furious with the VAR and the referee, um, you know, some you win some, you lose some, and Newcastle lost today and they didn't deserve to lose. But I've every confidence will be Evan. I really do have every confidence that after that we'll give Wolves a game, we'll give Leicester a game, we'll give Palace a game in the home games, and we're going to stay in the Premier League. So bigger context and bigger picture stuff. This has been another demonstration of the incredible job Eddie Howe is doing, and I'm I'm proud to support him and his team. Um, Norman, just quickly back to you, mate. Then um, you know you talked about that that pride and and the the way the team the team had done, considering the the benches the bench and the lack of resources. Just quickly on the formation, mate, you know, a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Do you think that Howe went with five at the back to match up what Tuchel's, what what he assumed Tuchel was going to play five at the back? Chelsea actually finished the game five at the back. It was a bit of a surprise they started with a four. Tuchel in his pre-match interview with Sky was clearly surprised. He had a little joke with the uh, interviewer that Newcastle were playing a back five. You know, what, what do you think we've learned about Eddie Howe tactically today? Well, we've learned that he's got a plan B, that's for sure. And I think given how forensic he is and his approach to football management, he's probably got a plan C and D that we just haven't seen yet. They'll be there. What what I saw today was clearly a side that has worked on this formation, despite the fact that we haven't seen it previously. It's clearly been worked on because you don't go from playing this, what, 10 games, 12 games of 4-3-3 with more or less a settled team to a 5-4-1 with numerous changes and look that comfortable straight away. It suggests to me that that's been worked on, whereas under the previous management, every time a formation change happened, it was very reactive and done more or less a day or two before the game, uh, whereas this one's clearly, it's like, all right, the lads, we've been playing like this, we've, this, we've had such a long time, this is the personality, this is the opposition, we're going to go to 5-4-1, which we've been working on. Um, obviously, looking at Chelsea, how they normally line up, they do play with... They're the wing-backs, right? But they've got quite a bit of an injury crisis in that position at the minute, you know, especially Rhys James and um, Alonso are not being fully fit. He's on the bench. As Piliqueta have not been fit. Rhys James not being fit. Ben Children not being fit. So he was a little bit limited in that respect. So he kind of changed. And as you see, switched back again toward the end of the game. But no, it just tells me that Eddie Howe is a manager who thinks four or five moves ahead ultimately. And I look at even the formation itself, the you know the fact that we did a five at the back um, and four midfield being a front man, we were still pressing from the front. So the, the three at the front still became a thing when Chelsea were trying to play the ball from the back. I don't know if you noticed, but every time you know Man- Mendy gets the ball for a goal kick, he's looking for one of his full-backs or centre-halves. Bang, you had Wood, Almiron, and I think it might have been possibly even Mankey up pushing right onto the edge of their box. So yes, it was a 5-4-1. But it transitioned, it transitioned into a sort of 4-4-1-1, 5-4-1-4-3-3. And that shows to me that on the training ground, the the kind of that that fluid change during the game is being worked on. And it and it, it just means we go to Everton and he may well revert back to 4-3-3, but ultimately it doesn't matter what he plays because you know for a fact that whatever formation it is, whatever side he picks, it's going to be organized and competitive at the very least. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Norman. I just think I think Eddie Howe is a manage a person and a manager and the way that he operates is with extreme consideration and preparation for everything so when I saw the team sheet today I was like "Ooh, not the best team sheet like what are we oh god but 
Eddie Howe hasn't come in and only improved the players we've seen improving. That just that wouldn't make any sense. He's come in and he's improved every player we've got. So that when we are forced through injury or through illness or through whatever's going on to change things up and to uh, play five at the back and play a different midfield to what we've been playing and what we've been winning with, um, you have to sort of step back and think this isn't what we had previously, this won't be just a rash decision. He knows that we can play this way and the players know that they can play this way and they can hold their shape and that they can, you know, um, play like that. So I have to remind myself that because it doesn't come naturally to me as a Newcastle fan, but I totally agree with you. Yeah, well well said both. And I think that I, I really enjoyed the fact that kind of when attacking, it was a clear 5-2-3 throwback to the Rafa Benitez days, a formation Steve Bruce for some reason didn't ever try once. You know, Almiron has been out of the side for a long time. He's come in and, and done okay. Great shot from outside the box. Very unlucky there. Newcastle have the best of the first half for me. Um, but yeah, the, like I think you make a great point, Charlotte, that this was probably planned weeks ago um, in terms of knowing the fixtures that we had come up. Yeah, that the personnel changes because of the absences. And perhaps today, if um, you know, if, if everyone's fit, we'll play the same formation. But yeah, just 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 really, really, really pleased. Um, we'll talk about more about the players in the formation later. I'm going to leave you now with some adverts from our partners at Blue Wire. Again, if you don't like the ads, I mean, who does like the ads? No one listens to the show for the ads. You can get the show without the ads on uh, our Patreon platform, £6.60 a month, about 30 to 40 of these podcasts on your podcast listening platform of choice. We'll be back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part two of the True Faith podcast. Let's talk about the decisions. Let's do this to ourselves. Charlotte, you mentioned to me, I know you you want to talk about the pen, but I've forgotten about that. You mentioned to me, you thought that 
the red card, there's at least a little bit of a grey area for you, or you'd seen people suggesting that. So why don't you give us your view on how that possibly couldn't be a red card? I mean, I think it should have been a red card. I'm just, I'm putting that out there. It should have been. He elbowed him in the face. And then some comments after. Did you see? I don't know if you've seen the comments after. He said something like he's six or seven foot tall. Um, and so when you do an aerial challenge, it's just it's just a risk. I'm not that kind of player. You, you elbowed him in the face. Like, you, 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 that's not how any professional footballer should be making a making a um sorry norman's just written seven or eight foot tall he said the the fucking gum boot which is a very good insult i love it you just no professional every professional footballer i know i'm not a professional footballer knows that you don't make an aerial challenge with your elbow like that in 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 another player's face it's just it's just not it's 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 clear it's clearly dangerous play like to me and uh and he goes obviously the band goes down and um and that went to VAR as well, didn't it? And they and they said they said no, it wasn't it wasn't a red. And he came back with the, the yellow. I just, for me, it's a red card. He, he needs treatment on the ground. He's been elbowed in the face, like through a, a dangerous challenge. Um, I think people are saying that it wasn't. You know, I think it's the intention. I think is where people's grey area comes in. And some people are saying it wasn't. Uh, it, yellow was sufficient because he didn't intend to sort of like hurt him in that way. But for me, that holds absolutely no weight because it's reckless. Yeah, I think I think some people at least, you know, and this is quite natural for fans to do. You try and think they can't just be corrupt. They can't just be that bad at their job. They've suggested two things in Havertz's favour. Number one, um, the elbow doesn't swing. Um, he just goes like directly into the face. And number two, he doesn't have that little look sometimes players have. Therefore, uh, it was accidental. I mean, it is hilarious, the interview, when, when Havertz just gives it, I'm not that kind of player. It's like no player has ever come out after Red Card and said, that's me. That is me right there. You saw the real me. <laughs> on his head. Uh, Norman, I can just see you shaking your head there, mate. So why don't you give us your view on the whole incident? Anyone who's defending it and seeing that, He's not that type of player. Well, he is because he did it. Also, <laughs> the fact is that you've only got to look or, or listen to what um, Pink Floyd Hasselbank said on Sky <laughs> at half time. He was absolutely spot on. He is an ex Chelsea centre forward and he's a centre forward, right? So, you know, Havertz plays for Chelsea, Hasselbank's club, and is also, a, you know, like a centre forward, let's say. And Hasselbank says it doesn't matter. Any, you can't say that he didn't look at the centre-half because as a centre-forward, you know where that centre-half is. You know where he is. And if Havertz is saying that he's seven or eight foot tall, which, by the way, is a bit childish thing. You see, he's six foot seven. He's not seven or eight foot tall. It's it's it's, yeah, it's really weird. Can you it's imagine if he was? I mean, it'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> you win a lot of headers, I reckon. Although, for the ball to be that crossed that high in the box, you'd be wondering if your wingers needed some, some, some sort of extra training sessions. But... um. The uh, the fact is that he went up, he had his arm up in the air, his elbow out, and he put his elbow into the side of Dan Burns' head. And in anyone's book, that is a red card. Now, the fact that it didn't go to VAR and wasn't, or sorry, it didn't, the referee didn't go to the screen to check it, means that he wasn't advised to do so by VAR, is, is disgraceful. It truly is. Mm -hmm. Because I put it to you this, I put it to you like this. If the ball's whipped into the box by a Chelsea winger, Dan Byrne goes up with Kyle Havertz, Kyle Havertz for a header, and Dan Byrne has Kai Havertz behind him and slaps his elbow into the side of his head. What happens? Tell me what happens in that situation. That's going to be a penalty and probably a red card. 
But Havertz is getting away with it because, well, he's going up against six foot seven Dan Byrne. He's not that type of player. It must have been an accident. It wasn't an accident. It was a disgraceful, disgraceful thing to do. And you can, look, did he mean to cut Dan Byrne's head? Probably not. But did he mean to leave something in on Dan Byrne when he went for that hair? Of course he did. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't have done it. So for me, it's an absolute no-brainer. And as I say, above and beyond anything else, go back to Jimmy Floyd. He knows what he's talking about. I think you made a good point about did he mean to do it? And, you know, we've got two players in our team, John Joe Shelby and ASM, who just think headers, not for me. I'm not even going to jump because they know they're not going to win it. And there's no way. That, what, what is Havertz trying to do? Is he trying to flick the ball on? Is he trying to head the ball to someone? He just hoys his arm in his head in the general direction of Dan Burns' head. It is not a genuine attempt to win a header or win the ball. And it's and it's massive. It's massive for the game. I thought Newcastle were the better side as it was happening. Dan Byrne looks like he has a bullet wound to the head. It's quite unpleasant to yeah. look at. Um, and in it's in it's a red card. And and this is this is the thing. Even if Newcastle had gone on to win this game, and there'd be no second penalty incident to talk about, I'd still be outraged that that wasn't a red card. And this is a general thing about football. It applies to lots of incidents. But if you look at what Jacob Murphy was booked for, being slightly wrong side of a player, and 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 I think it was um the uh, one of the forwards, the one who can't finish, I keep forgetting his name, but um Timo uh, Werner, who he's wrong side of him, and he puts his hand on his shoulder and he falls over and he's given a yellow card. How 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 do we follow this sport where the same punishment for what Havertz did to, to Dan Byrne is a yellow card and a free kick? I thought live, me, Ben and Sai watched it together. I thought live it was a red card. Called it live. Um, one slight contentious thing I'd like to criticise us for, and I know VAR is a part of it, I'd like to see our lads go in harder on the referee before he pulls the yellow card out. I'd like to see the outrage. And there is a little bit of it afterwards, and there's there's debate after the referee produces the yellow card. Martin Dubravka wants to be sprinting from his line. The whole team need to get round the referee there because if he produces a red card, never in a million years does VAR overturn it. Yeah. Never in a million years. And it's possibly the same for the penalty as well. Uh, so we'll move on to the penalty. And I'll no, start. Can I just add there quickly, Alex? Sorry, mate. I wanted to just say quickly that that's a brilliant point you make on those players not getting in the ref's face. If that had been in, in someone else's face, I can assure you Dan Byrne would have been in the ref's face. And also Kieran Trippier being in the team. That's a big loss yeah. as well. Because I think Trippier would have been straight in there. So Shelby too. Shelby I, as well. I, I think, yeah, with Shelby, we've had, we've had this issue for years, haven't we? We've always said that Lascelles, when he's been on the pitch as captain... And the team, in, in, you know, as a whole, has never been the kind of team to get in the ref's face and complain. So I think, yeah, if it hadn't been Burn, he had been on his feet, he would have been in the ref's face. And yeah, Trippier and Shelby are absolutely right. But again, I think that's something that will be addressed with summer signings, right? I think so. I also think that the penalty, there's there's lots to say on the penalty. And the frustrating thing about both these infants is the referee isn't given the chance to have a look. And I'm convinced if the referee is given the chance to have a look, then he would reverse both decisions. So he's been let down. I think the referee should get both decisions right, particularly the um, the red card, which he's looking right at. Yeah. His positioning for the penalty is a disgrace. Really bad refereeing. And to start off on the penalty, again, it's at a crucial time of, time of the game. Newcastle are on top. Newcastle are forcing it. Jacob Murphy's done really well against Chalabar. Chalabar is wrong side. He's wrong side of Jacob Murphy. Normally what a player does when he's wrong side is let him go. Because if you touch a player in the penalty box and you're wrong side, you will get a penalty given against you. Now, what he does, he pulls his shirt twice. Now, I've read some stuff on social media that says that the reason the penalty wasn't given or wasn't referred to the referee to look at the screen is that the shirt pull wasn't enough to make Jacob Murphy go down. That's a penalty for the shirt pull, in my opinion. 
But the bigger part of it is the fact that Chalaba tries to win the ball from the wrong side and, and Jacob Murphy's knee goes into his foot or, or leg and it's a penalty. The really, really frustrating thing for me here, and I'm pointing this out on social media, is that the referee gives a corner. Jacob Murphy kicks the ball out of play. Surely the VAR says to the referee, you've given a corner there, so am I to assume that you think, well, I'm not even going to assume, you think that Chalab has won the ball. I can tell you that he hasn't won the ball. Will you look at the screen? Because he has not won the ball. How how can the how can the VAR, how are we in this situation with technology where the technology people are like, yeah, corner Newcastle. That, our, our decision here is corner Newcastle, even though Jacob Murphy kicks the ball out because he is fouled by Chalaber. Chalaber's reaction gives it away. He, he runs away. It's like when Bravka fouled Werner later on, which was very kind of fortunate to be offside. Chelsea should have had 10 men and be 1-0 down at the time. So I'm not too fussed about that one. But but ultimately, Newcastle have, have gone away from home. They've created the better chances up until about the 80th minute. Chelsea didn't have a shot on target until the 75th minute. It looked like we we're only going to be the second team this season to stop them scoring at home and the referee and the VAR there it's an absolute travesty what's happened to Newcastle I don't know which one of you wants to go in because I'm just I'm just getting upset again no I I mean I I mean I'll I'll defer to Norman I I don't have really much to add to that I think um uh, it's just so clear it's so clear it's a complete failure of VAR what is the what is the fucking point in it if if it's if you're not even going to call the referee over to to go and have a look at it I just yeah and Eddie Howe in those post-match comments looked absolutely livid as well. Totally and utterly indefensible, that mistake. And the shirt pulling alone, regardless of whether or not it's not enough for the player to go and do, it's enough to stop him skinning Chalaba, which is what he'd done, by the way. And you think about that, he gets from Chalaba, he's basically on the on the byline in the six-yard box. You're probably looking at that being a, a, you know, a tap across goal for a, for a tap-in for, for whoever's arriving late in the box on Newcastle. The shirt pull alone was a penalty. He basically, in one move, gave away two penalties and we got a corner from it, which is just spectacularly bad. So all the anger that Newcastle fans have is Newcastle players and Eddie Howe is completely and utterly righteous. And if the Premier League, the Referees Association, had any sort of gumption, they'd come out and say, yeah, we got that wrong, I'm sorry. But they weren't, so catch you later. They don't have any gumption. No, none at all. And Gun boots. <laughs> this is this is this is this is the un- injustice part of it. It's hard enough to go to Chelsea and win. All right, Newcastle have got all twenty-five players fit. If they hadn't played at Southampton on Thursday, and I know Chelsea played Thursday, but they've got a much bigger, better squad, and it was Norwich. It's hardly a game these days <laughs> to a lot of Premier League teams, and we've had to go there, and we've had to, we've had to go toe to toe with them in a new formation with a load of key players out without without our whole midfield and and to do what we did and then for the referee to do that I don't know how Eddie Howe and, and Jason Tindall and the rest of them can remain kind of calm in that situation and if you look at the Man City game uh yeah Man City were worthy winners in James Park much better than Newcastle but that that was like a once in a season decision that went against us we've had two in another game where if we had apparently this season I don't know if we have we had one ruled out against Aston Villa for offside um, Chris Wood got we got one against Villa that got ruled out was a free kick we ended up scoring we haven't had a penalty and it's just I just I just I don't have the words for how bad that decision is you win some you lose some like I said for the VAR person to not say to the referee particularly with what has gone before 
in the red card incident. Maybe give the ref a chance to atone for his error here. That is the purpose of this. And I just, I'm led to think, and I could be conspiratorial here. This could be completely wrong. I just wonder if the the size of this fixture that you know normally when Chelsea play at home, it's a it's a big game around the world. This was a huge game today. This is the biggest game of the day in the Premier League because the world's eyes were on Chelsea following their difficult to say the least week. Um, the future is so uncertain. You know, you've got journalists, the world's media basically sent to that game today to cover it. And I just wonder if the VAR, and to an extent the referee, froze a little bit with that spotlight on them because this game was the key game in the Premier League. There were other games with more relevance to the relegation battle, to the top half of the Premier League, but this game with the relevance on it, I just wonder if the VARs froze. I don't know, I could be completely wrong. Maybe he just didn't have a fucking clue what he's doing. Either way, it feels very, very unfair. What I hope is, after that Man City game, Newcastle went on their unbeaten run. They used that performance. They used that sense of injustice. I feel to come together a little bit, and I hope we can do the same now at uh, at Everton on Thursday, which is a massive game for for Everton, and now a big game for us to get back on the back on the right track. Horse. Back on the horse horse track. Get on what you want. Let's <laughs> leave that. No, let's leave that. Um, Let's know when you want to talk about some of the tactical stuff. You thought there was some very good stuff there today in terms of shithousery in, in, in the central midfield to, you know, talk through, take it away. The shithousery again was absolutely top-notch. And bearing in mind we're going up against Chelsea and Rudiger, who is, you know, he's one of the best. He's one of the best at it. I really hope that we say him just because having him and Shea in the same team, I mean, you, you are looking at the kind of apotheosis of, of shithousery in the Premier League. But um, we were excellent. Target especially... Don't know if anyone noticed, but in the first half, three separate occasions in their half, sort of more or less in that 18 yard area, um, he fouled Ziek three times. They, they broke. Ziek had the ball. He just, he just brought him down three times. Didn't get booked once because he did it so perfectly well. Without There was nothing malicious in it. It was just a little bit. There you go, mate. See you later. Stop the move. Break the move down. Did that. Um, and you also had um, Bruno engaging it and Jacob Murphy. Jacob Murphy on uh, and, uh, Andreas Christensen. Christensen looked like he was breaking forward the ball, and Murphy just brought him straight down. Absolutely no sweat. And I fully back it because it's not sticking an elbow in someone's head with the intention of damaging them. It's just being a little bit naughty and breaking them a move. Nothing different to what Chelsea do, by the way. Um, Jorginho and Rudiger, as I say, are absolutely brilliant at doing, doing the shithousery. Um, and big shout out to Longstaff and Bruno. You know, Bruno's come in with a, a, a sort of burgeoning reputation, a relatively big sum for Newcastle. You know, in Premier League terms, it's not that massive, but it's a big sum for us. And he has only been coming on by cameos until Southampton. And by the end of Southampton game on Thursday, he was breathing very heavily because he was knackered, right? I mean, you know, he's going from the French League to the Premier League. He's not playing 90 minutes initially, and then he's starting a game in the Premier League, a different different kind of pace. You could argue that the, the League One is probably one of the quickest, but there's different fitness levels involved. And he's coming, he started a game three days later, and he has ran his socks off. And towards the end, they score goal, comes through the middle of the park from Jorginho, Longstaff and him on Naka because they've ran themselves in the ground. Longstaff, he's, it's his first start in Wat- since Watford and he's barely come off the bench. Yet, he's coming to a two-man centre midfield. Bear in mind, the lads have been playing a three-man one. Lewis to alone had to deal with that Chelsea centre midfield and they did it spectacularly well, I thought. And um, finally, one thing I did pick up on was the, the speed of, uh, of transition with Newcastle, right? So there's one point we were attacking in the second half. And I think we had like six or seven players in their box or around their box. And they broke forward. They broke. And you're thinking, oh, what's happening here? And the next thing you know, the camera's on our, our box where they attack. We've got eight players back. 
it, that that quick, that's how quick it happens. So this again, all of that just ties into how ridiculously fit these players are. And to go from being clearly the least fit team in the Premier League in November to being possibly one of the fittest now is testament again to the brilliance of the coaching staff and the determination of the players. I agree. I also kind of want to shout out Dan Byrne a little bit. I want to shout him out all the time. But um, when they scored, I don't know if you saw this, and I mentioned it to Alex off offline. It, he was he was just there. He, missed, he obviously couldn't stop them scoring, and he and he like kicks his legs like a like an angry like he's lying. He's on his front. Um, Tower of Power, Dan Bean. He's like lying on his front. He's fallen. He's like tried to get to the tried to get to the goal, fallen on his front. Knows that the goal's gone in, and he's so angry. It's, it's like this amazing like passion. Yeah, it would have been more amazing if they hadn't scored. They shouldn't have had that. You know, they shouldn't have had eleven players on the pitch. It, it is what it is at this at this point. But he's like he kicks his legs into the ground and he and he beats his fists onto the ground as well. He's so frustrated because he. He's so like, I don't know, for me, it was just like this moment that I just wanted to call out because, yeah, the players' fitness um, since Eddie Howe has been in charge has increased exponentially. But so is like, I know Dan Burns, of, this is a childhood club and all of that stuff, but this like passion and fight and drive is also the thing that's increased. And it's just that, that for me, that just that little snapshot just really said it to me. Yeah, well said. And Eddie Howe after the game, I've only seen his BBC interview, which is bizarre because he's not once asked about refereeing decisions. I, I, I don't understand that, but I think, Charlotte, you said you'd seen a Sky Sports one where he clearly is. Yeah. I, I don't know. Twitter, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and, and how, again, what I really like, I wasn't on the, the post match Southampton podcast. You lovely people were, and a very good listen it was. But one of the things I thought against Southampton, you know, I thought Newcastle probably just about deserved to win against Southampton. But I was really pleased to hear how, just like you had against Brighton, talk about the frustration at how much Southampton came to dominate possession as the game went on. Eddie Howe said the same today. He wasn't going overboard. He said he thought we thought he thought we possibly deserved to win the game. He thought that um, it was very unfortunate what happened at the end in the goal, and really Jorginho shouldn't have the time to to take a touch, get his head up, make the cross. We're tired. How mention that? We are tired. Nice little break after the Everton game. Another trip abroad for the lads. But he also talked about not using the ball well enough. And I, re I really like how he's hammering that home because particularly after Southampton and after Brighton, you know, and it, we're always referring back to the previous manager. But but after Brighton and Southampton, I heard a comment someone say, if they were two Rafa Benitez performances, we'd be heralding them. And it's not like anyone's been criticising the performances, but I think that's a good point. What I like about Howe is, and this isn't uh, to disparage Benitez, who was working with an inferior squad at a different time at almost a different football club, um, is that Howe wants better. He doesn't want us to see out the last 10 minutes with 90, with only 10% of the ball. He doesn't want us to finish the last half-hour games with 20% of the ball. He wants us to continue to dominate, to continue to attack. And he said the same after Watford as well. Um that's what I really like. And he said the same today. He's not getting ahead of himself. The players aren't. It's like, he played well, lads. Didn't win the game. Why didn't we win the game? Ignoring the referee. That's the kind of attitude of just a winner. And and I think we'll take that on Everton. Normally, you want to talk about ASM to finish us off. Just want a second quickly, that point you've made there. That's excellent. You're spot on. And it's one of the things I love about Hope. You just, it's just about your constant improvement. Constant improvement. And that's, that's exactly what you want to see. ASM coming on. 
I messaged you, I think, and said, we keep this in the middle with 65, 70 minutes on the clock. Bring ASM on. We could do these. And I did think ASM would have a big impact than he did. He was a little bit out of sorts. But ultimately, if you look at how Chelsea played when he did come on, it's almost like they seemed to overload that right-hand side immediately. And all of a sudden, from nowhere, N'Golo Conte is, once again, his usual four players. It seemed that any time ASM was near the ball, Conte was in the picture. And that just comes to show, obviously, ASM's reputation, right? But I think it's... One of those now where I want to see him start because he needs to hit the he needs to hit the floor right. It, there is an advantage to having him on the bench and bringing him out as an impact player. But again, teams can kind of think, well, if he's going to be on, if he's coming off the bench, we can just we can just shunt a couple of players out there towards the end of the game. Whereas if he's starting the game and he has that, you know, he, ha- he has kind of time to find his stride, that's when he can cause damage. So I think Everton away is possibly a good opportunity to to bring him back in the side. And quickly, I will say, my God, did we miss Ryan Fraser today? I never thought I'd be in a position. Three months ago, where I'd be saying, how much do we miss Ryan Fraser? We really, really missed him today. So, really looking forward to seeing him back soon as well. Yeah, well said. The ASM one, I noticed that he essentially had four players around him. Very hard for any player in the Premier League with four players around them to do that. Ben, who I was watching the match with, made the point. And this probably happens a little bit too much. And it's it's hard to criticise because, one, when he came on, the team was tiring. And two, when he came on, um, you know, like you say, Chelsea started to have more and more of the ball and attack. But if there are four players around ASM, it's got to create space for other players. And it didn't really feel like that. There was a time when ASM got the ball. Chris Wood, who looked more and more tired as the game went on, was behind him, you know, in, in the middle of the pitch. And you're just like, Chris, you've got to be, you've got to take a man away. You know, that's what I felt ASM yeah. didn't get when he came on. Because the players were tired, because Chelsea were, were posing more of, a, more of a threat, it wasn't like Matt Target was steaming on. It wasn't like one of the two midfield players was steaming on to take a man away. So it was almost an impossible task. Plus, I think, and I don't know about the the, the the fitness of ASM or Fraser, but I thought that essentially, you know, with Target and ASM being such a threat, I mean, Target set pieces today absolutely brilliant. That should have freed up a lot of space in the right. And I just think keep, keeping a tired Jacob Murphy on would just had nothing down that right-hand side at the end of the game. But, you know, there are all sorts of potential reasons for that in terms of Fraser's fitness, wanting to keep him for Thursday. Um but yeah, let's see. I mean, if we can go, there's very little information out there at the minute. If we can go to Everton Thursday with something like our first choice team, apart from uh, Callum Wilson, you know, I'm I'm almost convinced we'll get a result, and if not, if not beat them, Charlotte, you're going to that one, and you will be reporting back for True Faith in both the Match Day podcast for patrons and a free podcast that night. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of my voice. I apologise in advance, but uh, <laughs> hopefully it'll be a horse voice from celebrating all our goals. I said celebrating there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. We'll finish it there on that note. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Thank you, Norman. Thank you, Charlotte. If you like this show, we're on Patreon for £6.60 a month. Please rate this podcast and leave a comment wherever you listen to it. It does us a lot of good. We'll be back with the free show, like I said, with Charlotte and a selection of others after Everton. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.